From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in for this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Well, coming up, it is Juneteenth, a federal holiday. What is this holiday about and why is it important? We'll talk about that a little bit later with Dean Nelson, FRC Senior Fellow for African American Affairs here at the Family Research Council. But first, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken met earlier today with Chinese President Xi Jinping in China. The meeting was not announced publicly until right before it occurred. Now, among the issues reportedly discussed was Taiwan. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side. We continue to expect the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. That was Secretary Blinken after the meeting today. Now, over the weekend, President Biden was asked if Blinken's trip could ease tensions with China. The president responded by discussing the spy balloon. I think one of the things that balloon caused was not so much that it got shot down, but I don't think the leadership knew where it was and knew what was in it and knew what was going on. I think it was more embarrassing than it was intentional. Hmm. So the head of the Communist Party lost his spy balloon. They didn't know they were flying a balloon across the United States. All he had to do was turn on cable news and he'd find that out. We're going to get a read on the meeting between Secretary Blinken and the communist leader from Texas Congressman Keith Self in just a moment. Also, the Army is expected to fall short once again of its recruiting goals. So the Army's top civilian leader, Christine Ormoth, is working to reverse woke policies that is uh, like a neon sign telling conservative youth to go elsewhere, right? Uh, no, not hardly. Well, Joe, I would say, first of all, we're, we're not a woke army, we're a ready army. And I do think that that constant drumbeat that we sometimes hear about a weak military, a woke military, is a little bit of a negative drip, drip, drip that is undermining our recruiting at a time where we really can't afford that. That was uh, Warmoth on Morning Joe. So she's blaming people who are bringing attention to the Army's woke policies as the reason for them not meeting their recruiting numbers. We're going to talk about that. According to a recent Gallup survey, social conservatism is advancing. Actually, a 5% increase in the number of Americans who describe themselves as social conservatives. What's behind that? Well, it's also apparently happening is that more Americans are rethinking their support or their capitulation to the LGBTQ sexual revolution. The lie that same-sex marriage was just about marrying the one you love has been exposed. It's been exposed in Hollywood's relentless push to trans America. It's been exposed in the effort to indoctrinate children in almost every public school classroom in America. It's also been exposed in its often covert tactics to keep parents in the dark about choices their children make that will alter the rest of their lives. Well, the result is more Americans are connecting the dots and they're rethinking their support of same-sex marriage. That also was revealed by Gallup. FRC's Meg Kilgannon joins me for that conversation. And finally, a celebration of the life of Dr. Pat Robertson, founder of Christian Broadcast Network, was held earlier today. So, Lord, I commit the work of my father to you, knowing that you will treasure it until that day. And I ask that everyone here would take up your spirit and your word. 
that we would all be inspired by the life of my father, that his memory would be a blessing to us, and it would be an inspiration to us. That was Gordon Robertson at the conclusion of today's service. A number of FRC members have uh, connections and worked for Dr. Robertson. We'll hear from some of them a little bit later on this edition of Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Two important observations from this passage. First, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus as his ministry began. What this reveals is that our work for the Lord, which is not just church work, it's whatever we do, must be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the power of the Holy Spirit was ignited by the blessing of the Father. Jesus the Son and God the Father model for us the need for and the power of the affirming words of a father. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, we've talked about this, but this year marks 40 years for the Family Research Council, and our mission remains the same, champion biblical truth and public policy in the culture. And as we approach the end of our fiscal year, let me ask you, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us as we continue to rebuild America's spiritual foundations of faith, family, and freedom? And if you would uh, consider partnering with FRC during this critical time in our nation, I'd like to send you a digital copy of my new study guide on Nehemiah, Rebuilding a Nation, for your gift of $7 or more. To make the most of the limited time opportunity, give us a call at 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. We've got folks standing by to take your call, or you can simply text the word GIVE to 67742. That's the word GIVE to 67742. And together, I think through the power of God, we can rebuild the spiritual walls of our nation. All right, as I mentioned, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken met today in Beijing with Chinese leader Xi Jinping, concluding a two-day trip the Biden administration hoped would ease tensions between the world's two superpowers. Now, following the meeting, the Secretary of State acknowledged that China did not agree to restore military-to-military communication channels as they had hoped. He also reiterated that the official U.S. One China policy does not support Taiwanese independence. Join me now to uh, discuss this is Congressman Keith Self. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Congressman Self retired from the United States Army as lieutenant colonel, having served as a member of the Special Forces and Army Rangers. He represents the 3rd Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Self, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Great to be here, Tony. Thank you. So let me just get your initial reaction to what is coming out of Secretary of State's diplomatic trip to China. Well, you have to ask why China even accepted this trip. Uh, I don't think he scored on either one of the major issues. One is Taiwan. Uh, China has frankly said they will take Taiwan by force if necessary. Uh, And the second one was the mill-to-mill communications. Uh, So uh, whatever spin they put on it, Uh, I think he was probably called or accepted in Beijing uh, for a message to leave Taiwan alone. And since we're three years behind on uh, shipping the weapons to Taiwan that they've already purchased, 
uh, I think we need to get a move on. So, so in, from your perspective, Congressman, I mean, who is in the position to be influencing activities between these two countries? Is America in a strong position or is China in a strong position? Well, I think the whole world is still looking at our absolutely disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. When the Biden administration did that, uh, the entire world started testing us. For instance, Putin started moving troops toward Ukraine within weeks of our withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, China's aggressive actions have increased since then. Uh, Iran has tested us. North Korea has tested us. Uh, uh, you, you see uh, uh, countries around the Middle East looking for another partner other than the U.S., because I think they don't think they can trust us right now. We're hearing repeatedly from the Biden administration. In fact, the secretary made these comments. We want competition, but not conflict. Does China want the same thing? I don't think so. I think China is at war with us, both psychologically and uh, economically for certain. Uh, the fentanyl coming across the border, and I understand that was one of the issues that uh, the secretary wanted to make some progress on and did not. Uh, we know that the precursor chemicals coming out of China go into Mexico and then are put into pill form or simply shipped across the border. So I think they're already at economic and psychological war with us and hope to win without firing a shot, uh, because war does not always uh, include the kinetic uh, firepower that we're used to. Right. Has America been as forceful as we should in demanding answers about the coronavirus? I mean, I my my take on this is that that shows weakness by us being afraid to really go to the source of this problem and hold China accountable. Uh, no, we obviously haven't. Uh, that is something that uh, I hope that Congress continues to lead on and and, and get some answers, because, no, we've not been forceful in the least. That's not the word. We've been very weak on that issue as well uh, with China. We need to be uh, – no one questions the fact that it came out of China. We need to get answers as to why and where and how. Uh, and, and, no, we're not forceful on that issue. Uh, Congressman, I want to go back to the president's comments on Saturday uh, on the tarmac there where he said that uh, the Chinese leadership – uh, was more embarrassed than anything else about the balloon because they didn't actually know where it was and what it was doing. Do, do you buy that? Absolutely ludicrous. That is a ludicrous statement. Of course not. Uh, any thinking American knows that uh, that balloon wandered. In fact, it turned circle eights over one of our uh, nuclear bases. Uh, when you do that, someone is controlling the balloon. Uh, so this, no, absolutely not. He doesn't believe it, uh, and the American people should not believe it. That balloon was a spy balloon out and out, controlled across the United States. Why do you think the president would make that statement? Because they believe, the progressive left believes whatever they tell the American people. Uh, that, that's, their, that's their mantra. Uh, they project what, uh, onto us what they are doing. And uh, they think that the American people will believe whatever they tell them to believe. That it is ludicrous to think that uh, this balloon that uh, traveled all across the United States, that the head of the Chinese Communist Party 
had no idea that it was there, no idea what was on board, and that it was uh, looking at some of America's sensitive military sites. I mean, I'm not sure who believes that, other than maybe those who watch MSNBC. I don't think anyone believes it anymore. I mean, we watched the balloon go across the entire United States, across some of the least populated land in this country, and they refused to shoot it down ostensibly because it might hurt someone. It might hit a cow, it might hit a fence, but it was not going to hurt anyone. That was, uh, that was also ludicrous reasoning that they gave the United States uh, population, the people, the citizens, and then they shot, they shot it down after it left our airspace. Uh, that was another embarrassing incident as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Congressman, we're up against a break, so I'm going to hold my next question. But this is it when we come back on the other side of the break is I want to ask you about as a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And you made reference to this earlier that China is aggressively recruiting to pull nations their way. I want to talk about some of our foreign policy priorities and how that may actually be driving some of these countries into the arms of China. We're going to talk about that and the army's failure to recruit, meeting recruiting standards, blaming it on those who are raising concern about the woke policy. So, Congressman, thanks for sticking with us. We're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. So, folks, still to come here on this edition of Washington Watch, some good news out of uh, Gallup, a recent survey showing that social conservatism is growing in the country and the support for same-sex marriage declining. Why is that? We've got some ideas about that. We're going to be talking about that with uh, Meg Kilgan coming up a little bit later. And if you would like to uh, partner with FRC, as I mentioned earlier, we've got some our team members standing by to take your call, 800-225-4008 during the break. We'll be right back after this. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check that out. And uh, again, we've got folks standing by. If you'd like to partner with us, give us a call, 800-225-4008, as we come to the end of our fiscal year. All right, continuing our conversation with Congressman Keith Self. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, in addition to retiring from the United States Army. He also served as a county judge in Texas. He now represents the 3rd Congressional District of the Lone Star State. Congressman, thanks so much for uh, sticking around. I, I want to go back uh, to something you mentioned in our last segment about China is is working aggressively to pull nations into a kind of fellowship with them as opposed to the United States. And when you look at some of the top priorities of our foreign policy coming out of the State Department, whole the LGBTQ agenda and everything, that flies in the face of many conservative religious nations. Is this affecting our foreign policy? Uh, absolutely. There are two, that and the climate change, uh, the demands for, it, for action on climate, I think are the two main issues that are driving nations away from us. But China is also making a very aggressive push around the world, particularly in the southern hemisphere both in South America and in Africa. Uh, they go in, they give low-cost loans, uh, poorer countries accept them, and all of a sudden they're in a debt trap. Uh, so our policies, and frankly, I'm not sure that people trust us these days because yeah. of Afghanistan, uh, because of our open borders. They just don't see us as a legitimate, a reliable ally. Uh, so well, the, the trust factor, I think, is also very much a part of the fact that uh, China is having some success wooing countries to their side. Yeah, I, I, I can see that occurring as, as well. When you talk about climate change, there's really a trifecta for the left coming out of the State Department. It's abortion. It's the LGBTQ policies and climate change. 
But when you talk about these poor nations that China is reaching to us in the southern hemisphere, these are nations that are really kind of dependent. And I'm not a big fan of our uh, foreign dollars that we're putting into these countries. But what's happening is this administration is putting strings on that foreign aid, saying you don't get it unless you change policies related to abortion, LGBTQ and climate change. And that's where China has an open door. You're exactly right. And, and, and frankly, the, the, what you just mentioned is happening in South America and Africa to a great degree. Now, countries are starting to understand the debt trap. They'll never be able to pay it back. China simply extends the loans uh, and may lower the interest rate, but they are in a debt trap that they cannot repay. So at the end, Tony, I believe that freedom wins if we can just change our policies to do away with that trifecta. I still believe that freedom wins. We just need to change our policies, and, and people will understand that we truly are a beacon of freedom if we can change our policies. Well, changing policies would require a change of personnel in, uh, in, in, in many cases. Absolutely. Let's talk personnel for a moment, Colonel. Uh, retired from the United States Army, you know something about the, uh, the Army. You serve on the Veterans Affairs Committee as well. Army Secretary Christine Warmoth lashed out at Republicans for basically drawing attention to the fact that the woke policies of the Army are inhibiting their recruiting. I mean, they were 15,000 recruits short last year, and it looks like they're going to fall short again this year. Is it the fact that you're drawing attention to those woke policies, or is it the woke policies themselves? It's the policies themselves, without a doubt, Tony. Look, 0.7% of our population is in the military today, Uh, 0.7%. I served in the military with some of the finest soldiers in the Army, in the 82nd Airborne and the Green Berets. And I have to tell you, people that join the military want to join something larger than themselves. Mm -hmm. They want the challenge. They want the camaraderie. They want to do something that is important to our nation. And these woke policies are not. Uh, I vehemently disagree with the secretary. I think that she's got it backwards. Uh, She's not attracting the people who want to put a rucksack on their back, who want to deploy to the field, who want to deploy to the latest uh, area of conflict, who want the challenge. Uh, I vehemently disagree with the secretary. Uh, Congressman, I, I only served for about six years in the Marine Corps. You retired from the Army. But my experience was that, and, and, and I think the numbers actually bear this out, that those who volunteer to serve, as you said, it, it's a very small percentage of our society that serve in the military, they're drawn disproportionately from conservative areas of the country. People, and, and a lot of them coming with a what I would describe as a Christian ethic of what Jesus said, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. So there's a, there's a disproportionately higher percentage of those who serve in the military that come from a faith background. And these policies are an anathema to many of them. You're exactly right. Uh, I truly believe that until we have revival in this country, until we have a civic conscience because There is a greater power than the federal government controlling you until our Christian faith is no longer under attack, until we are able to uh, exercise it 
not not just in inside the church walls, but in daily life. I think you're going to continue to see the woke policies hurt our government and our nation across the board. Are we at a a critical juncture where we have to act now to see this ship righted? Tony, the question I ask all the time is, where is God's red line with America? Just like he had a red line with Belshazzar and wrote on the wall. Uh, where is God's red line for America today? I, I don't know where it is. I don't know the mind of God, but I'm very concerned that we could be approaching that red line. We need revival in our nation. Congressman, I could not agree more. I don't want to find out where that red line is, but I, like you, I do believe we're getting awful close to it. Congressman Keith Sell, thanks so much for joining us today. Always great to see you. Great to see you, Tony. Thank you. All right. Folks, all the more reason we need to be praying. And we need to pray, vote, and stand. All right, this is not a time to shrink back into, uh, you know, the, 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 this, onto the sidelines. It's not a time to lose our voice. It is time to, to be prayed up, to stand up, and to speak up. And by the way, mark your calendars. September the 15th through the 17th in Washington, D.C., our Pray, Vote, Stand annual summit. You can find out more by going to prayvotestand.org to find out more about how you can be a part of this great event. All right, coming up next, the third national observance of Juneteenth as a federal holiday. We talk about it next. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. Again, uh, I would encourage you as 
to prayerfully consider partnering with the Family Research Council. This uh, program is only uh, made it possible by folks like you across the country that are standing with us. We've received no government money. Uh, we are here because of folks like you. And uh, this is a critical time in our nation. And we need voices like Washington Watch informing you. And again, it's only here because of folks like you. So if you'd like to partner with us before we come up to the end of our fiscal year, which is June the 30th, uh, I'd like to send you a digital copy of my new study guide, Nehemiah, Rebuilding a Nation, for a gift of $7 or more. So to uh, take take, uh, advantage of this opportunity, we've got some folks standing by to take your call. Just give them a call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can text the word GIVE to 67742. That's 67742, the word GIVE, and you can follow the link over. And I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, together we can rebuild the spiritual walls of our nation. And that is our mission. All right, for the first time since the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act became a law in 2021, the federal holiday observing the date falls on June the 19th. And it was on June the 19th, 1865, that Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas, announcing that in accordance with the Emancipation Proclamation issued by President Abraham Lincoln, all slaves were now free. So what's the significance of this holiday? And How should we celebrate it? Well, join me now to talk about this is Dean Nelson, Senior Fellow for African-American Affairs here at the Family Research Council and Chairman of the Douglas Leadership Institute. Dean, welcome back to the program. Tony, thanks so much. It's great to be back, particularly on a great day like today. Yeah, so let's jump right into this. Um, I I gave a very little background on this, but fill us in, expand on that, the history of this and and its significance. Yeah, as you stated from the onset, um, you know, there was the Emancipation Proclamation, which is a huge deal uh, that President uh, Abraham Lincoln signed into law. Uh, But the reality was, was that the Civil War had not ended. And so many slaves still were not free. And so once the uh, once the the war ended, uh, Abraham Lincoln sent uh, the Union uh, Army throughout the South to make sure that those men and women who now were free knew that they were free. And uh, ultimately, at their last stop historically there, as you stated, in Galveston, Galveston, Texas, uh, there were still uh, slaveholders that were enslaving people, and they didn't know. But the force of the Union Army basically made that statement. And as General Granger did, uh, the, the, the history shows that there were shouts of jubilee Shouts of praise and honor to God. Uh, slaves are accounted as saying that they dropped their shovels, some of them, and uh, they were able to walk off of a plantation uh, stating that they were no longer owned by someone else. And so that's kind of that's the history. And uh, since that time, uh, there have been, you know, even in the early you know 1870s, there were, you know, free blacks that began to you know, save money to purchase like places like Emancipation Park, where they would then celebrate. And so it became such a big deal in Texas. Texas for decades has now celebrated uh, Juneteenth. And so we're just trying to honor a day of freedom. Uh, And it's really important to hear this, you know, because my statement is, is that my hope is particularly for Christians and uh, for Republicans, because we need to 
We need to own that holiday because they're too often the left tries to steal what we actually were the ones who uh, who initiated. And so my hope is, is that from uh, Juneteenth through July 4th, there'll be just a season of freedom, uh, celebration, picnics, uh, events, parties that honor freedom, that honor America. And uh, that's kind of what we did today. And thank you for the Family Research Council and sponsoring the great event that we had uh, here in the D.C. metro area earlier today. Dean, I want to build on that a little bit. Jubilee Day, as it was also referred to, has its roots in the Bible. I mean, this is a celebration of freedom as understood in the biblical context. So in a day that we've become so politically divided where anything is aligned with the left, we don't want to touch it. This, as you said, goes back before the left ever tried to take ownership of this. So as Christians, how should we approach this holiday and what it stands for? You know, I think, number one, we all should just be informed. Uh, There's a great article, um, many articles. I saw one today in the Virginia Pilot uh, written by someone from the Heritage Foundation. I wrote a piece uh, a year ago uh, in World Magazine. So just really becoming acquainted with it. Um, I think, as you've emphasized, though, the spiritual significance, if you can think just for a moment, for slaves that had been praying for decades for their freedom, Ultimately, when they see a Union general in his Union army come and pull the scroll and read that they are now free by the force of their uh, their, their decree, as well as the, um, you know, uh, backed by, you know, uh, the guns that they had, they could basically state, hey, uh, you're, you're free. And I think that that idea, as they refer to it as Jubilee Day, slaves being set free, debts being canceled. I think that's a great opportunity for us to uh, to celebrate uh, and again an emphasis on not celebrating it in place of July 4th Independence Day because let's face it if there was never an Independence Day there would never have been a Juneteenth and so our hope is is that people would uh, particularly Christians would lean into it to understand that and to find uh, you know groups churches that may be celebrating it and honoring uh, that day and honoring America uh, and not taking it, you know, there are some Juneteenth celebrations that uh, you and I wouldn't wouldn't want to be a part of because they are not celebrating the great history of America. So I would just encourage people to uh, to learn more about it and then find a place where they can participate yeah. and celebrate uh, just like we did today. Good advice. Dean, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Tony, for sharing on this important day. God bless you. All right, folks, we're back after this. Don't go away. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch. As I mentioned at the top of the program, there was a celebration of Dr. Pat Robertson's life today in Virginia Beach. And we wanted to give some of the FRC team members who have worked with Pat over the years an opportunity to pay tribute to him. I knew Pat Robertson uh, for about 10 years when I served at CBN. It was a real joy uh, to serve his vision, his leadership, uh, his heart and passion. Pat was very inspiring to work for. He really made you want to do your best, and you knew you were doing it because of a call from God. That was really central to Pat, and those of us who had the opportunity to work closely with him, we all saw that. There was no doubt about it. I can attest to the, the, um, the impact it's had on others, because we've had many, many interns come through our doors from Regent, and then, you know, when they, they combined their experience as an intern here with their Regent education, they go out to change the world. Even since I graduated from Regent University, I've been able to partner with former professors on joint research projects that were released uh, both at Regent and FRC. Uh, so the legacy continues. I think that Pat Robertson's legacy will be about what he infused in the people around him as much as the things that he created through CBN and Regent University and Operation Blessing. He was always on mission uh, for the things of God. And I truly believe that uh, uh, while he is uh, enjoying the, uh, the, the victory of his faith, that uh, Pat uh, is hearing those words that we all long to hear, well done, that good and faithful servant. Well, that was several of our team members, Scott Hurley, that was Ariel DeTurco, uh, Travis Weber, 
and, uh, and, and others that were paying tribute to uh, Dr. Robertson for his, his work. And, and I, I'm grateful for his building on the, uh, the moral majority of the late Dr. Falwell. And, and Dr. Falwell was about influencing public policy really from, from the outside. But what Pat Robertson did is he challenged people to get into the arena. Now, follow, following uh, running for president in uh, 1988, he launched the Christian coalition that brought more Christians into the political arena. And I was actually a part of the Christian coalition, serving as the chairman of the Baton Rouge chapter for a while. And so grateful for his life and his legacy and the work that uh, continues. And that presence has staying power. I mean, a recent Gallup poll reveals an increase in the number of Americans identifying as social conservative. Now, what is behind that? Why is that occurring? Well, I think there's a foundation that people are standing on, but we're going to unpack that. Joining me now to uh, talk about this, Meg Kilgannon. She is our senior fellow for education studies. She served in the Department of Education during the Trump administration. Meg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always good to see you. It's great to see you, Tony. I I um I never met um Pat Robertson, but he was an alumna alumnus of Washington and Lee University where I graduated and I was at Washington and Lee University in, in 1988 when he was running for president as part of the second class of women to graduate from that university and um uh he he really was um really quite an amazing person. I heard someone very recently uh, mentioned that during his campaign for president, he talked about offering a, a jubilee uh, concept related to debt forgiveness, and um, that that um, even all these years later, that's such an interesting thing to remember about his his candidacy. I think, and and says a lot about the profound um, impact that he had on our politics and on our country. When he ran for president, you know, he, he didn't obviously didn't win, but he didn't go away. He no. he launched working with Ralph Reed, someone I've worked with uh, quite a bit. He launched the Christian Coalition, which began to organize Christians really for the first time to understand the political process and to to run for office and and to be involved in the kind of the the, the machine of government, if you will. You know, there's been some setbacks. Obviously, the policies we see in this country are are uh, are, are troubling, uh, especially when we see the aggressive nature of the transgender policy. But uh, some significant uh, information coming forth from Gallup research showing that uh, first there is an increase of about five percent over last year of the number of Americans who identify as social conservative. That's the That's the first time we've seen that in over a decade, which is encouraging. But we also see that the support for same-sex marriage is declining in America uh, as well, which would suggest to me that people are beginning to connect the dots between these agendas. You know, we were told, oh, this is just about live and let live, uh, just being able to marry the one you love. They didn't realize uh, that it was going to involve the indoctrination of their children, uh, the infiltration of every media outlet in America. And I, is this America saying enough is enough and they're pushing back? I think what we now have um, some practical experience with 
with something that was always just a concept, right? The idea that uh, two men could be married to each other or two women could be married to each other. This is the first time in human history that that experiment of of putting the sanction of marriage around that kind of a relationship or behavior had ever happened. And so you could talk a lot about what it would what it could possibly be like in the run up to that eventual reality being imposed on the nation through the Obergefell decision. But now people and people could believe those those stories in that narrative, right? But now we are seeing what is the reality of that situation and and what is now required of us because of agreeing to that idea that erroneous idea that that two people of the same sex can actually be married so there's more context now that people realize that this is not just about two people uh, this is about all of society it's about whether or not you know different professions will be forced to affirm these same-sex unions. And and I think probably the, the, the tipping point has been what's happening in the classrooms of America. I think that's right, Tony. You know, we saw we saw this with the the the, the masterpiece cake shop and and the the, the floral arranging the uh, lawsuit that happened where Christians were deliberately targeted to be forced to affirm a belief that they did not hold, right? And so in the grand scheme of things, what what adults are required to do, you know, we obviously disagree with that, but that may or may not capture the attention of the average person, right? But when, when you are proclaiming that you must teach children about what is involved in these kind of relationships and and what what these sex acts are? Uh, this is going to be something that's a bridge too far for many people, whether or not they support same sex marriage. Right. Um, there are people that that we work with in in organizations here around town who maybe don't take a position on marriage because they tacitly think that it's okay for for. Uh, same-sex marriage to happen, but even they will say, well, it's not okay to talk to parents about, to, to children about this, these topics, and particularly not without their parents' permission and definitely not behind their parents' backs. And uh, so I think we're going to continue to see the more they push this agenda, you're going to see uh, more pushback, and rightfully so. We're, we're not the ones who are being unreasonable in this. Yeah. Um, let me, I'm going to play a clip of uh, the Maryland governor, Wes Moore. He was uh, on, uh, this actually aired yesterday on MSNBC's Inside with Jen Psaki and, and basically criticizing the efforts of uh, Governor DeSantis and others who are trying to protect kids from the pornographic materials that are in public libraries and in public school classrooms. Play clip number five, please. I continue hearing people making the argument that we're doing it because we want to prevent our students from having discomfort or guilt. It's not about making kids feel uncomfortable. It's about telling other kids that they shouldn't understand their own power. It's castrating them. Uh, Your response, Meg? Well, um, I'll thank him for just making it about power because that's exactly what this is about. It is about power. It is about them having power over our children. 
to to direct their thinking and to direct their upbringing in in a way that only parents are really authorized to do. Um, he's con this this the way that this story has played out in in news coverage is he in that clip he's actually talking about. Um, material that is very is racial in nature that is historic um, the the idea that we're we're not teaching all of history right that that we've whitewashed history and that it's systemically racist the version of history that is taught in schools now we need to go back and we need to have the 1619 project version of history or the teaching tolerance or learning for justice version of history that is the true history of the United States and so He's saying that if you don't teach that, then you don't want people who look like me to have power in society, right? And you're denying children that power. And he's using the term castration. So that's an allusion to what we were just talking about on the same-sex attraction and the idea of transgenderism. And so he's conflating a lot there. That whole segment's doing a lot of work, right? But the most important thing to take away from that is that it is about power. It's about who has the power over children. Is it going to be their parents or is it going to be the state? What's amazing to me that Maryland is a sanctuary state for transgender sterilization and mutilization of children. I mean, he, he's actually using this term. You would think that they would avoid using this term when they are wholesale in supporting this experimental surgery and drug use that essentially mutilates and castrates children. I mean, the left seems to, they don't even seem to be able to blush. No, and I, I think you're seeing, too, some old Democrat Party politics with this. Democratic Party politics has always relied on the teachers' unions, unions in general, and the, the last one still standing with the most power is the teachers' union. And you see also the LGBT lobby. Um, they are the two, I would say, probably most powerful uh, parts of the coalition in terms of boots on the ground and the, the most people that this impacts. The, the pro-abortion lobby is also very strong in the Democrat Party, but numbers-wise, I think that the, the, the most of the grassroots activists and the, and the get-out-the-vote kinds of people are in those other two segments of the party. And so um, they're they're gearing up for 2024, and this is this is the clarion call they're sending out. We're finding in in polling data that some of the Democratic Party's base, uh, some of those communities, the minority communities that are uh, still have strong roots in re Orthodox religious views, don't buy into this. They uh, you know they've tolerated abortion and. And, you know, they haven't really pushed back too much on that. But when we look at this issue of the transgender agenda and the mutilization of their children, increasingly we're finding that this is something for many of them is, a, is simply a bridge too far. How, how far will the Democratic Party be able to take this without losing uh, a, a key portion of their base? It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I think that this Gallup poll is showing you that they are definitely losing part of their base with this messaging and that the extremism of the Democratic Party, while they they just take every pain to paint Republicans as ultra mega extremists and racist book burners, what have you, the extremism on their side 
for the totalitarian kinds of tactics and power dynamics that they have going on and the you know the uh, uh, abortion up until birth crowd and after birth crowd the the um the, the 1619 Project people, the race essentialists, essentially, um, the, the people will talk about white Christian nationalism, but they will not talk about, uh, you know, black nationalism in terms of this kind of, of civil rights agenda. Um, th these these factions within the Democratic Party are um, very powerful and they make a lot of noise. And so it'll be interesting to see, do moderates want to, um, you know, adopt this agenda? Is it attractive to them? Um, and are, are we going to see Democrats, um, younger Democrats, older Democrats, are we going to see them um, going along with this? Um, these polling results would say no. We may not be. It'll be interesting. It'll also be interesting to see how Republicans respond to these trends where uh, there's a growth in social conservative, and it's coming primarily from Republican voters. Meg Kilgannon, always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today. Thanks for having me, Tony. All right, folks. Yes, it will be very interesting to see how Republicans deal with this, because it, what this shows, according to Gallup, is that Republican voters are becoming more conservative in terms of their social conservatism. Um, not, the economic aspects have remained pretty much unchanged. It is the social conservatism that's changing. Also, it should note that the uh, support for the death penalty has increased. I think that's probably because of the lawlessness that is out there across America. Speaking of Republican politics, or the life issue in particular, is uh, this. Mark your calendars. This Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time, we'll be having a town hall meeting for life in Iowa. Senator Lindsey Graham will join me. Marjorie Dannenfelser will be there. We'll have Bob Vanderplatz as well from the Iowa Family Leader. You can be a part of that. Go to frc.org slash townhall to find out more. All right, until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. Seven two three four.